Most people don't know that Dan and Tara both were orphans themselves. They were raised in, in orphanages. Uh, she was probably in her mid to late 30s and had never experienced in her life a birthday. And he has another woman that he spends most of his time with, but he comes home when he knows that Mary has been paid so that he can take her money. You would have thought that we sent them on a three-month trip to Europe because it was that big a deal to them. It was so interesting because they didn't even know how to order food. They didn't know what you do in a restaurant. So just real quick, maybe you could tell us about your ride home from the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well. Hello, and welcome to the ITMI podcast, where you get to hear directly from ITMI partners. I'm your host, Summer Kelly. In this episode, I'm talking with Steve Evers and Mark Burrett about their trip to visit our partners in India. There have been some fairly recent changes with the Indian government, and according to Open Door, last year, India jumped into the top 10 most dangerous countries for Christians. So for our partners' security, we're referring to them by different names in this podcast. If you're at all familiar with ITMI, you'll be able to tell who we're talking about. Mark and Steve spent time in two cities, which we'll also not name here for security. And in this episode, we're talking about their visit to the first city. Mark shares something that was kind of surprising that he noticed. And Steve shares something most people don't know about our partners there. And they really kind of take us backstage behind the ministry of Dan and Tara. And we get to find out more about the incredible people that they are. So without further delay, let's dive into my conversation with Mark and Steve. Well, Mark and Steve, it's great to have you here today. I've been really eager to sit down and talk with both of you about your India trip. So welcome. Thank you, Summer. It's great to be here today. Thanks, Summer. Mark, you traveled with Steve in Zambia and South Africa previously, but this was your first time to India. Was there anything that struck you early on about the country or the partners that you just didn't realize before? Well, I've been warned by most a lot of people who have traveled to India what it was like as far as the traffic and the smells and the pollution and the animals running everywhere and, and how crowded it was. And um, I think the one thing that struck me was the influence of Christianity that I noticed everywhere. I'm thinking of India as a very dark place where the it's primarily Hindu and, and our partners and other Christians there are subject to a lot of persecution and 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 yet um, everywhere you go the billboards and the signs and the stickers on the cars and everything Jesus Jesus it was it was and the people that we met exchanging money or at restaurants or whatever Christians of course a lot of those were friends of our partners but um, I was pretty encouraged that God always has a remnant of people even I guess from the time of maybe the Apostle Thomas and people that went to that part of the world all the way through the centuries that people have gone and spread the love of Jesus, and you still see it evident there, which is pretty cool. 28 million Christians in India, it's a lot of people, but out of 1.3 billion people, it's a small percentage, maybe 2% 2 or something, but I was encouraged by that. For me, going on a mission trip, uh, you try to 
get your ducks in a row and you try to decide where you're going, what you're going to do and what's going to happen. And you try to be as efficient and effective as you can, but very, very regularly you have to adjust, you have to adapt. In fact, some people say that you need to be a, a Gumby. You need to be a Gumby missionary, which means you have to be very, very flexible. Most people don't know that Dan and Tara both were orphans themselves. They were raised in orphanages, uh, both entirely different situations. Dan's family uh, came from a fairly big family, and his mother and father were so poor and in such poverty that they couldn't afford to take care of the kids. So they had to hand them over to an orphanage. But because they wanted to be near their kids and, and impact their kids, Dan's father went, got a job pretty much as a, a laborer, a maintenance person, a, 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 yard, a yard boy at the, the, the orphanage so that he could be around and impact his kids. Later got a job for his wife in the kitchen so that his wife could help cook and, and the kids could be near their mother and father, still get fed and still have a, a roof over their head. And so it's a different kind of uh, orphanage or a different kind of children's home, but still a children's home. Uh, Tara had a completely different situation. Her family knew uh, that she knew that they, she had family members. She knew that they were out there somewhere, but they just didn't want her. They turned her over to a huge facility where 600 girls live um, that don't have families. Uh, Tara was, was sent there. She calls herself a little terror. She was a little terror for many, many reasons, but she had a chance to connect with an Australian um, single lady that was a missionary there that loved on these girls who were traumatized and forgotten and discarded by their families. And God used this woman to, to over, gradually over time touch Tara's life. This Australian missionary, her name was Margaret Williams. Margaret Williams was 94 years old, and she had been there in India for 64 years as a missionary. Uh, her family had wanted her to, to, to return. Her mission board had wanted her re to return and to take it easy her last years of life, and she wouldn't do it. She stayed, and she continued to share and to minister to, to, to girls, and she really, really needed to go to the funeral uh, for a number of reasons. One, because it was the only mother she ever knew. Two, because uh, God had blessed her so much and that she needed to go and show respect in, the, in their culture. Well, that surely wasn't on our on our schedule, and it wasn't in our planning, and it was not in the city where we're, we were at, and it required Mark and I to decide what's the best thing to do. Uh, the best thing to do was to spend time with Dan and Tara and to see what their life is like so that we can share some of the opportunities and challenges they go through. So we decided to go. We had to get tickets. Uh, we had to change our baggage. We had to get all ready. And we know that the fact that the supporting people, the people from America, the ones that come all the way over to visit, the missionaries, Mark and Steve and ITMI, that they would support, that they would value Tara enough to change their plans meant so much to them. It impacted them so much. 
And and the, the great thing was is we got a chance to see where uh, Tara grew up. We got a ch- chance to see uh, what it was like. She marched us around this massive children's home. All of the disabled people, all of the blind people, all of the, the kitchen staff, many of them still there after all these years. It was great, and it was great to see Tara and her childhood sisters now in their 50s reuniting after so many years over this this celebration of Margaret's life and, and homegoing. Yeah, I think it was fun watching them uh, at their age uh, acting like kids again. They'd kind of slap each other and play around like, like they were children again. It was like a, a just a wonderful reunion, like going back to a, a school reunion that we would experience, and they would share so many stories. She was quite a character as a little girl. Uh, one of her favorite places to go is, is the blind quarters where the blind people are. She loves to minister, and they love her, but when she was a little girl, yeah, she would steal their food and do horrible things and they would throw rocks at her and it was just funny to listen to the stories that she shared about growing up there. There were over 2,000 people at her funeral. It was very moving to to see the love that she had from so many there and with the exception of her family members from Australia and Steve and I, um, primarily all Indian people that were at the funeral, the impact that she made was just incredible. Uh, another n- interesting thing, meeting some of Taru's, quote, sisters that she grew up with in this home, um, have, we've maintained connection after uh, we left there. We exchanged name and contact information, and they have, they have at times contacted me and asked for prayer, some of them in, in horribly difficult situations, and asked for prayer uh, and just just to know that somebody else cares about them means a lot. So we don't know why we really went to the funeral, but we know that God is able and that God is is doing things behind the scenes. <clears throat> I love the quote from John Piper, God is always doing 10,000 things. Unfortunately, we can only see two or three at any one time. And so we just have to trust that God wanted us to go and encourage Dan and, and Tara. And we know how much it impacted them and showed them they were valued by God. And uh, it was just a great experience for us. How do you see that background and that experience? So you've kind of been open to what um, Tara's past is. How do you see that coming out in her ministry now? Well, now she works with little children. It's just amazing to watch what they do in the slums there in their city. Um, and the way they love and care for these children, uh, we got to spend a good part of a week there with them and administering ourselves with, with these kids and, and the teachers. They just pour their lives out into these kids. And the impact, it's just amazing to share the love of Christ with them. Also, they're getting a good education, with uh, quality education. I have grandkids about the same age, and they're above and beyond them as far as writing skills and some of the things. It's amazing what they're doing with these children. The parents really love and respect Dan and Tyro for what they're doing, and they're so receptive to us even being guests of theirs. You can see that there's been such a relationship build up. Yeah, she's really using her, her heart and her gift to pour in the lives of young children, which is what happened with her. India is really, really hard on women. The culture from top to bottom is very, very difficult on women. Women grow up pretty much undervalued and 
looked at as a, a product or an item that can be traded. They just are so devalued uh, in the culture. And I don't think we in the West understand how how devalued it is. You can almost see it in the way they walk and then the way, the way they droop their head and the way they look to the ground. They don't look at you in the eye. They don't, they don't have confidence. And so to answer your question, I see Tara being very unique. I think that orneriness when she was a child, that full of life and that energy that she, that she had didn't fit in India at all. And I'm sure she got in a lot of trouble because she didn't follow lockstep with what's expected, even in this Christian children's home. But I also see that that now is a benefit. That lady will stride through a Muslim slum area where women are looked down on even more, and she carries herself with a certain degree of confidence. She knows that she's a child of God. She knows that God loves her. She knows that God's given her a, a plan and a purpose, and she's carrying it out. And I think the fact that w- we went and we visited with her and that we supported her, it just is one more confirmation in that environment that God loves her, that God values her, that God has a plan for her, that God has brought people there to support and to empower them to reach just this last week, she's, she had two severe medical issues in the slum. Now, these are people that are illiterate. They can't read or write. They feel very intimidated by anybody that has degrees or, or a position in society. So going to a doctor, one little boy tripped and fell and cut his tongue almost 80% off. He was going to probably spend the rest of his life not being able to communicate because his parents took him to a local clinic and they put one single stitch at the end of this long cut to try to hold this tongue together instead of having it properly taken care of. Well, that was not going to work for Tara. Tara cared about this little boy because he's in her preschool and she took the little boy with ITMI's help found a quality medical doctor and team, and they've been able to stitch this tongue back. And it's already started to heal to the place that the little boy now can sleep at night. Before, it was so painful being so open that he was uh, he was unable to sleep. Another particular lady, from best we can tell, it's a combination of impacted wisdom teeth and teeth that are so decayed that uh, they're black now. In, in the back of her mouth. And so she hasn't been able to eat for a, for at least a month. She's losing weight. And her husband's, who's also sick too, continually abuses her and causes her to have to go try to find money to feed him and the family. And Tara stepped in and said, we're going to get this lady some medical help so that she can at least get well. And if she's going to have to live in this environment Uh, She's going to be as well as she possibly can. And so Tyra knows who she is in the Lord, and she knows that God is bigger than cultures and castes and neighborhoods, religions, and all of that. She is going to do the right thing. Tara took me shopping one afternoon. She's unique in that culture because she's on these uh, little vehicles that drive us around and get us to the shopping areas, and she haggles and negotiates with men at these shops, which they don't really like too much from a woman, but she's such a good steward of 
uh, purchasing things, and we see a lot of that, even in the school, of the things that they bought for the children. She, yeah, she's amazing to watch. She'll get the best prices and, and make wonderful deals. She's a go-getter. It's cool to see how God's placed her in a place where she could really, really make a difference. And one of the ways that she's making a difference, even um, that we probably haven't talked a whole lot about, is she's got some women on staff with her that serve at the school. And you guys got to kind of encourage and bless some of those women. And maybe you could share some of their stories and, and about your time with them. The one woman there had gone through a really bad marriage and Wow, you could just see it in her face and her attitude that she'd been through a lot of hurt and pain, and yet uh, she uh, she just pours her life into these little kids. All of them were real special just to, to get to know them. We spent some time with them. We took them uh, out to dinner, and which they were so grateful for. That was such a treat for them because they never get to do something like that. The lady that's been with Tara and Dan in this school, inner city school, or actually inner community, it's not a, even a city, it's just a Muslim community called Little Pakistan, is Vanita. And Vanita had a husband, they, she has uh, three children, and her husband got sick and passed away. And unfortunately, in, in this culture, to have children, many men will think that you're now used, and there's little to no use for you, especially if you're bringing someone else's children into a relationship, uh, that they're just going to be more expense. They're going to be more trouble. And so Vanita doesn't really have a lot of opportunity, but uh, Dan and Tara have given her an opportunity. What Vanita does is she she's the one that cooks in this tiny little kitchen. She cooks at least two sets of meals for these children every single day, a small breakfast and then a almost a full-size meal at, at noonday for these kids because many of these slum kids, they don't get to eat. And as a matter of fact, many of them, surprisingly, you have to teach them to eat. And that's a whole nother story about the trauma of eating what little they have at home and, and it being so spicy that they can't eat and they just get conditioned not to eat. And so they're almost afraid to eat. But Vanita loves on these kids. She she helps uh, Tara in many different ways, but she kind of slaves in a sweltering heat little kitchen uh, just so these kids can eat. Mary also has, I believe, four children. Mary's husband uh, is not a believer, and he has another woman that he spends most of his time with, but he comes home when he knows that Mary has been paid so that he can take her money And I guess in this culture, to show respect and honor, Mary gives the finances to this man, and he takes it and does what he wants with it and continually leaves Mary and her children in such a difficult, difficult situation. But it's been really a blessing to me to see over the last couple years how Mary came in and and Tara has really mentored this lady and and even in her trauma and the difficult situation that Mary continues to live in, I've seen a softness. I've seen a softness come and I've seen more of a peace and, and and a love that comes from being around Tara and Dan and experiencing the joy of the Lord in this little school. The other two ladies, I don't know much about. I do know one of them. She and her husband and child came down from Northern India 
And for some reason, the husband, when he got here, he just left. And that was 10 years ago. And unfortunately, he was supposed to be a believer. She came from a poor Christian family in in North India, hasn't had a chance to go home and see her family because she doesn't make enough to, to live and to go see. She was probably in her mid to late 30s and had never experienced in her life a birthday. Tara got a small birthday cake and had all the children sing happy birthday and and put a little party hat on with elastic under the chin. And it was very, very simplistic for us in the West, something that we, we might see in a preschool environment. But for this this particular lady who's in her late 30s, she was like a little kid. She was giddy. She was giggling. She was embarrassed. She was surprised that anybody would care enough about her to do something like this. And as Mark said later that evening, we did a surprise birthday for Tara. Again, she had never had a surprise party, and she's always giving, giving, giving to everybody else. And uh, we just thought for... For a little bit, for a little bit of resources, we could take these ladies out and honor them. You would have thought that we sent them on a three-month trip to Europe because it was that big a deal to them. It was so interesting because they didn't even know how to order food. They didn't know what you do in a restaurant. They didn't know how to ask for anything. They didn't know once the meals came, what do you do? Adult ladies completely lost because they'd never experienced it before. Partially, probably because they'd never experienced it themselves, but even more challenging to them is there were men in the group, Mark and I and Dan, all that together was was just so overwhelming to them. And yet we did our best to make them feel welcome and did our best to let them enjoy themselves. We heard later that it meant a whole lot. It was a really special, special time. In fact, they actually wrote out some handwritten cards that they gave to us, thanking us for for the way we made them feel special. And what did something like that cost? I don't think it cost more than $50, $60 for all of us. And the the value, the ongoing ripple effect of that will just be huge. Even in engaging with them, they'll feel more more comfortable because they've been honored and they've been valued, and it'll just be better all the way around. A huge impact for a, a small a small amount. Yeah, things we take for granted, uh, just getting to the school each day for them, uh, getting across town, using public transportation or whatever, you know, it's an hour and a half, two hours sometimes to get to the school. And most of them have second jobs in the in evenings that they do. It's just, they're incredibly dedicated. Um, I'm never going to complain about my commute again. Well, we're almost out of time, but just real quick, maybe you could tell us about your ride home from the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Well, there was three of us on a motorcycle, which was interesting going through traffic. And you know, Mark, you need to make sure that we describe the motorcycle. It's not a big motorcycle. It's about a 100 cc. And it was a pretty old and tired and beat up motorcycle. The clutch was just about gone, which concerned us because then we didn't know how good the brakes were. And with three adult men squeezed onto a small seat, 
It was a it it could have been a very traumatic situation. And I made sure that Steve wrote in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that he did. He made me write in the middle, and I was squeezed in, and Mark was holding on the back. I guess the one benefit is is if something happened, Mark was going to fall off the back, and I was probably still going to be on the bike. But the poor the poor bike rider was a young man that had been told to give us a ride to our guest house, and he was pretty much halfway sitting on the gas tank and he was slipping the clutch so hard and winding it so loud that you just wondered whether we would ever get started and he was trying to pedal his feet to get us started and we finally got moving and we're all looking for places to put our feet and this and then moving into traffic even though it's what mark seven eight o'clock at night it was it was like five o'clock traffic and in a major city in America, because there's just not enough roads. It was crazy weaving in and out of all of that, trying to get to our little guest house. But motorcycle is the best way to travel there because you can get around quicker. Thankfully, because there's so much traffic and there's so many people, you never go terribly, terribly fast. So very few people, even though it's the law, you have to wear a helmet. Very few people wear helmets. Very few people go very fast. And again, we were grateful because uh, the roads don't have sidewalks. And to walk on tiny, narrow, dark roads, if you have to walk home, uh, it, it can be a real challenge. <laughs> what an adventure. It was. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Summer. As always, thanks for being with us today. In our next episode, we'll talk about the slum where Dan and Tara minister, their hospitality, and why a stranger approached Tara on the bus and wouldn't stop looking intently at her neck. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do that so you don't miss out. The ministries and outreaches our partners are able to do, like the ones we talked about today, are possible because our supporters stand with them financially and prayerfully, and they're the ones that make it possible for our partners to do what they do. Supporters and friends, you are so important to us and to our partners. If you're not yet a supporter, now's a great time to get involved and make an impact. If you're interested in finding out more about that, you can do that at intouchmission.org. We'll see you next time.